This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Hi, everyone. We are so happy you're with us today. Welcome. You are tuning in to the Mother Loving Future Show. This is Amber and Jenna. Say hi, Jenna. Hi, guys. (laughs) And today we are discussing the blessing and the burden of being a highly sensitive person. For more details on this topic or to sign up for more good stuff from us, check out our website, themotherlovingfuture.com. All right, Jenna, hit us with your definition. Okay, so this is all about highly sensitive people or HSP, which are people who, according to the definition of sensory processing sensitivity, is a personality trait characterized by a high level of sensitivity to external stimuli. The trait tends to correlate with a greater depth of cognitive processing and high emotional reactivity. A human with a particularly high measure of SPS or sensory processing sensitivity is considered to be a highly sensitive person. And these terms um, were first explored and coined in the mid-1990s by PhD Elaine Aaron and her husband, Arthur Aaron. And she wrote a book called The Highly Sensitive Person. Which I'm reading, by the way. Yeah, yes. I'm reading, well, I'm actually reading the next book, which is Highly Sensitive Child. Child, Which we're going to get into why (laughs) you're reading that. And why we are even doing this topic. Um, But so according to, because I I think a lot of people might be sensitive or know people in their lives which are sensitive, but um, not even recognize that trait Mm. within themselves. Be misinterpreted is what I see a lot. Yes. Misinterpreted as fussy or oversensitive and just over emotional or whatever it may be. Or you can't control your emotions or you can't control Mm. whatever, you know. But it's legitimately a genetic. I don't want to say disorder, but it's a genetic um, state of being. Yes, it's just yes. It's basically uh, the the when you process stimuli in your environment, you're more sensitive to that. Yeah, your stimuli. sensory system, your sensory system, your sensory system, and a part of your brain is taking in more stimulation and more stimuli than the average person. And this is why it can be a blessing and a burden because on one hand, you know, you are seeing a greater depth of uh, of intricacy around you and mm-hmm. um, of just energetics at play. And then on the other hand, that's the blessing. The burden is that you are sensitive. You you know, you it are- It can be overwhelming, overwhelming. To take in that much stimuli and notice that much and feel that much. Yes. And especially, you know, with someone who is sensitive in the heart, which most highly sensitive people are, you know, to live in a world where there is injustice and there is a lot of, you know, sort of- suffering going Mm. on, um, it's very hard to... The hard thing is, I can imagine, I'm not a HSP, highly sensitive person, but most of my very close people in my life are, including the beautiful Jenna sitting next to me. Yes. (laughs) Guilty. As charged. But part of this book, which I'm just completely obsessed with, I I can't put it down, one of the incredible points they said is one of the reasons why it's so hard for highly sensitive people to to be understood in this world is because the systems that the the operation systems of society and of this world are really built and run by desensitized people yes. people who aren't highly sensitive are the ones who are able and capable to implement these harsh hardcore um, ways of standards, being yeah. and standards. And so for a highly sensitive person, it's really hard sometimes to know where to fit in and it's easy to be misunderstood and misinterpreted. True. And we are living in a highly desensitized society. Mm-hmm. An example of this that happens to me all the time that I go, every time I go to the movies is like, I'll go to the movie unless it's a Disney movie, literally. <laughs> and people, um, you know, it's, it's usually too violent or upsetting for me mm-hmm. m- most of the time, you know, for one reason or another, I'm just sensitive. Mm. And I'm triggered in some emotional, deeply emotional way that makes it uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for me to watch the film. And um, as I'm battling with all of this in my head, as the film's going on. You see a three-year-old next to you just totally zonked out. Well, not only that, but maybe not a three-year-old, but I look around at the movie theater and I see all these 
faces that are just loving it. They're loving the violence. They're you know loving why? it. And they're stuffing their faces with popcorn and just Mars they're bars. they're so and, numbed out that yeah. they need something so extreme to feel anything. anything. Yeah. And that and is that's where the level of desensitization. To. So mm. we're talking about a society which is so desensitized. And then we're talking about these people who are feel so... Too much. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're so not going to say too much because... That's a judgment. And yeah, we're not, that's we're not, not judgment. judgment. Not no, judgment. and I think the world needs more highly sensitive yes. people because some of the traits I've been exploring of highly sensitive people are so beautiful. And if we all had more of a heightened awareness around compassion and empathy and connection to the earth and animals and each other, we would not be in the mess we are right now. No, and we're in a big mess. <laughs> Yeah. Big mess. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you right now, those people running the show are not HSPs. <laughs> so That's for sure. why don't we get into, for people who may suspect they may be a highly sensitive person or may know people and have people in their life who are HSP, why don't we pump out some questions for people to just go through and apply to their own life? Okay, so these are from Elaine Aaron. And um, first question. Are you easily overwhelmed by such things as bright lights, strong smells, coarse fabrics, or sirens? Do you get rattled when you have a lot to do in a short amount of time? Do you make a point of avoiding violent movies and TV shows? See, there you go. Um, do you need to withdraw during busy days into bed or a darkened room or some other place where you can have privacy and relief from the situation? Do you make it a high priority to arrange your life to avoid upsetting or overwhelming situations? I do. Um, do you notice or enjoy delicate or fine scents, tastes, sounds, or works of art? So subtlety. Do you appreciate mm, subtlety? Mm -hmm. um, do you have a rich and complex inner life? I can tell you. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and when you were a child, did your parents or teach teachers see you as sensitive or shy. Mm. So those are some starting off point. Beautiful. Questions. And I have a lot more of these points I'm going to get into yeah. where you may be like, bing, that's me, tick, 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 or not. Yeah. So, so do you want to talk about why we're even coming to this yeah, and how this totally. all came around? I'm, I'm currently down a rabbit hole at the moment with this topic because we recently went away to Mexico over the New Year Christmas period and it was my husband, <laughs> myself and Valentine, our son, and a whole bunch of other babies and friends came with us. And we were obviously at not in our general routine, not in our general environment. And during that week, removed from our usual schedule, I noticed I, well, I couldn't really ignore <laughs> some very particular um, behaviors of Valentine's that was coming up. So things like, um, he couldn't wear socks. If the socks were scrunchy, if the seam was across his toes, like was hitting his toes rather than going across them, or the heel was kind of not, his heel wasn't in the heel. If the socks mm -hmm. were a bit big, mm -hmm. it would be meltdown. I it would be Valentine. total. And he kept saying, they're scrunchy, they're scrunchy. And then I'm like, hmm, interesting. It's like a visceral reaction he's having to these socks. Yes. It's not, it didn't feel like a toddler tantrum. It felt like a physical reaction he didn't have control of, right? And then I kept watching and then he was, he put on these pants and the pants went straight. They were a bit bunchy at, at the bottom. Bunchy. Oh no. Uh, yes, totally. He had a complete freak out. Again, they're scrunchy, they're scrunchy. <gasps> get them off, get them off. And he couldn't rip them off quick enough. And I'm like, hmm, this is really, he, I noticed he would do those type of things at home, but they wouldn't be this pronounced obvious as well, because I'm also running around doing a million things around the house. And for me, I'm just like, oh, come on, man up Valentine. It's just, he's just particular about the clothes he wants <laughs> to wear. Up, yeah. Baby child, <laughs> baby man, you're three already. Come on, stop pulling your weight. Um, and so, and there were other things like he went on a hunger strike for the week because there weren't this is any when you're in Mexico. familiar, yeah, we were in Mexico and there weren't any familiar foods for him. So, you know, he would maybe have a slice of apple every now and then, or I, oh, of man, course, does sound familiar? <laughs> I of course brought some backup with me, like, you know, organic bunny rabbit crackers or whatever that he would live off. But I really noticed that he, 
there was something that was, and there was a big reaction to things that for most, for the other kids that were around, didn't seem to bother them at all. So the other kids, no effect no. to these things. I mean, they were younger. He was the only in that toddler zone kid. All the rest were below one and maybe one and a half. But, and then the, the kids were a bit older. So none of them were really in that phase of push and pull mm-hmm. on the power play. But at the same time, I remember, I started thinking back, he was like this since he was a baby. Mm-hmm. And the, being in a social environment, we were there for a week. And so being with a big group for a whole week, I saw him being overwhelmed by um, having an audience. So there would be moments where we would walk into a room and everyone would be already in the room, like first thing in the morning, and they would turn around and go, hi, good morning. And he would freak out. He would go, no. And he couldn't look at people. He would scurry away. He had a big reaction. Didn't want to look people in the eyes. He had a big reaction to these things, Yeah, which he doesn't usually have because we're not in that environment all the time. And just, you know, from the highly sensitive person's in perspective, an environment like that is a very hot temperature. You're by the beach, so you're having the sandy, sticky feelings. Um, There's mosquitoes, there's Mm -hmm. smells you're not used to. So Mm -hmm. there's a whole inundation of sensory Mm -hmm. things which are different and already setting the stage to Mm -hmm. be uncomfortable. Yeah. And I also... So once I got into the book, I started realizing all the things which I thought were cute little quirks of his were actually really um, clear points of someone who's highly sensitive, like an acute sense of smell. Like he'll walk into a room and go, what's that smell, mommy? Or I will sneak in a piece of chocolate and he'll walk into the kitchen and he'll smell the chocolate in my mouth. He'll be like... He's There's like, chocolate open your mouth. North by northeast, <laughs> 23 degrees. He's like, I smell organic dark chocolate. <laughs> so anyway, going back to Mexico, I really had this intuitive moment that this wasn't, because I had the other kids to compare him to and we were in such a different environment and he had an extreme reaction to things, I really felt, okay, there is something going on here that he's having a visceral reaction to. It's not just a toddler phase of pushing against me. There is something that I need to look deeper into and not just box him as, you know, just the average kid. Who or a I've difficult got to, kid. Yeah, difficult Which so kid. so many people would box him as that. And as then I just have to discipline him more. If I have a oh difficult gosh. kid, I have to push him more. No. I have to punish him more. No. You know, I know. Oh, it hurts all, me to even Yeah, hear. all the wrong things. The reason things. it hurts me is not because you did that and you were so wise not to, but so many parents would react in that way. And, and that's it, why I think it's it so important to explore them, this topic because... Before I went like like deep into this world and got obsessed with this book, I didn't understand or know that this was a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand that this was a genetic composition of people. I just thought people were... It's also were, a soul thing, you know, I think. I think it has yeah. to do with your soul as well. Well, the further I got into it, the more I realized... So it's genetically inherited, right? So so I went to the doctor and we... Because he had a little cough and she looked at that and I went, mm, just a side note, he's been having these particular behavioral issues. What do you think of this? And she said, oh, that sounds like sensory processing disorder, which is the same SPS, thing as... Sensory yeah. processing sensitivity. Yeah, that's it. So that's their one and the same, right? And she told me that it's a, it's, first of all, I I love this book because it really speaks to the power of knowing your child and their bio-individuality. So you cannot, there's not one type of sensory processing disorder that suits all kids. It, it moves around all the senses. So, and that's where to me, the soul comes in because your soul can define, or did I cut you off on that point? No, no, no. I was just saying that Valentine's is particularly around touch. So for him, the social situation where he's walking into an audience, he freaks out because he's a, he doesn't know who's going to touch him, grab him, try kiss him, throw him up in the air. He doesn't, he's, pre- he's prepping himself for this physical stimuli oh gosh. that and is overwhelming for his sensory system. And that's really scary for a little kid that yeah. that could happen to you because you're this little you're kid, not in you're not of in it. control. You could get uh-huh. thrown up or like have to yeah. hug someone you don't want to. Yeah. And I remember That's from scary. a baby, he he always moved away from people trying to hold him or touch him or when a stranger that he hadn't met before went to pick him up, he would freak out. And I was just Which like, is actually very smart. Yeah. Very smart. So 
Anyway, I, it was a huge, first of all, it was a shock because I just, I didn't know that it was a genetic thing that you have for the rest of your life. It was just like, you know, something he'll grow out of and he's just getting used to the world. No, you're born with it. And it's a physical um, reaction to things and it's in his touch sensory system. Other people may have sensitivities as you have Jenna to light and to sound and to crowds. Temperature. And to, temperature is a big one for you. I also have it for touch though. Like even talking about this, my skin is like crawling a little bit crawling, <laughs> you know, but I have it a lot with, um, sticky or dry or especially dry. How are you with food and textures? Does it freak you out? Particular textures in your mouth? Yeah, like mushrooms. Oh, really? Mushrooms. mushrooms. Like I have to cut mushrooms really, really finely cut. Mm. Or if I, you know, you need that like jelly chunkiness. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but other than that, texture is not too bad for me. Okay. But you basically have it across all sensory systems, I think. I'm pretty, yeah. Yeah. Which, which I think is, I mean, up to, for and a parent, if, if we're just talking about children and having a child, which is easily misdiagnosed as like a fussy child or a shy child or sensitive or overly emotional, I really encourage parents to tap into their intuition and to really look at your child and just gauge how much of it is out of their control and how much of it is psychological and then pushing boundaries and how much of it is a true visceral experience for them. You know, because I have two kids too as you probably know. Um, and the first one is funny when Amber was going through this with Valentine and she was reading this book and she was talking about this because I had heard of highly sensitive people and I knew that I was like extremely hypersensitive and so was Milo and that Maisie wasn't. Did you realize it but was I a genetic? I didn't really realize, well, you know, everything is genetic and every, like, I feel like the soul defines your genes or it defines whatever genes like uh, come to the service to be expressed. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's more complicated than just genetic. But... I know I didn't, I didn't realize that really. And and you going through it with Valentine really, and you, when you were like reading the checklists and mm-hmm. stuff and I was like, that's Milo, like ding, mm-hmm. ding, mm-hmm. ding. And even before you even got into this and you were just describing his behavior, I was like, he's been spending too much time with Milo, yeah, you, <laughs> you know? And you know what? Guilt and shame are two predispositions of highly sensitive yeah, people. Yeah. And I have both of those in my psychology, just myself, because I'm constantly feeling both of those things. And you know just- why? Cause you feel too much and you have an internal, um, eternal morality compass, like high sense of morality, yeah. which is, a, you know, a breath, a blessing and a burden. Valentine, who's three, and I'm a very fun, relaxed mom. I, I want him to get dirty. I want him to get messy and, totally. you know, jump you around. And he's from the get-go has been cautious and very responsible. And ex- God, I love that kid. <laughs> I love that kid. Oh God, listen up a bit. And, but... <laughs> I've noticed that if he drops something off his plate or if he maybe spills his paint out when we're outside, he'll go, why did I do it? Why did I do it? I'm mm-hmm. so sorry, mm-hmm. mama. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. And I'm like, baby, it's okay. It's like, I want you to get messy, but his, he has an innate um, sense of shame mm-hmm. and guilt. And this is the bit which really hurts my heart. And I think, okay, if I... If I'm one of those parents that fed into that and and kind of went, yeah, you shouldn't have done that or had a a desensitivity around that, I would further imprint that groove in his brain. And then for the rest of his life, he would probably battle with unknown, deep feelings of shame and And not really knowing where they are surfacing from. Totally. I think that's the case with a lot of highly sensitives too. And it's just, it cripples them. Like they're just end up crippled Mm. because they're, they're so been forced by their circumstances to withdraw within and, and that they end up just completely crippled Mm. and you, you know, who knows how they cope with that. Yeah. It's really, it's, oh, I'm, I'm just so relieved that I understand it and I understand it not as a temperament thing, but rather a sensory processing, uh, sensory processing thing. And it's given me a whole new level of appreciation for Valentine because you know, let's talk about the blessings, not the burdens of it, because the blessings of this is incredible. I mean, Valentine and Jenna and all the people in my life, I have like, I probably have 10. Okay. Maybe not 10. I'm a little bit of an exaggerator. No, it's, I would say about seven, 10. Yeah, probably. They just, we just flocked to you, Amber. Yeah. So Amber, (laughs) take us in. 
Well, because I think, as we discovered later, my mother might be a highly sensitive person, but wasn't trained and supported to know how to manage it. So it has resulted in overwhelming feelings of highs and lows and yeah, and not fitting into society and all of those things. And all those things would be natural, you know, results, results. of it not being yeah. nurtured. And, and, you know, you and your mom, like you just know so well how to work with that dynamic that it just makes you so good with highly sensitive people. So, <coughs> excuse me, I've probably got seven, I've probably got five of some of the closest people in my inner circle are highly sensitive people. And I love their sense of transparency. I love their sense of um, intuition. I love their sense of like morality. I love their hyper creativity that comes out of them. And they've just got this deeper connection to um, connect to people's hearts. They've got an ability to really be with you and connect to your heart. And all of that is because they are so sensitive. They're feeling the energies in the room. They would never mistreat another intentionally because they know what it's like. They've got a deep sense of compassion and empathy. And it just makes for a very complex and interesting and creative and rich um, person, which I I love. That's, totally. that's all I'm interested in is like really getting down to the nitty gritty of the human condition and someone being able to share that with me. And it's such, well, it's so beautiful. And, you know, share that with you is like, as you're talking, I'm just thinking like almost everything that you just said is a quality I see in you. Honestly, I feel like you almost have the sensitivity level of the highly sensitive people, but you don't have the sensory processing mm. overload aspect. And maybe, you know what I mean? yeah. And maybe that's something that because I grew up with, and I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, my, I haven't diagnosed my mom, but Jenna just mentioned it before and it kind of made a lot of sense. I've got to probably look into it more before I label her. But she is a highly creative, like double creative on her astrology and all her numerologies. And she's so hyper creative and feels a lot. But I think as we were discussing before as well, a lot of highly sensitive people, the way they cope in this oversensitive world with desensitized people everywhere is to numb out, numb out through eating, through drugs, through addiction, through love addiction however there are so many ways people numb themselves but you out gotta escape to feel this world. that level. if you're highly sensitive and you don't even especially if you don't know it you got to escape because it's just too much i don't well i don't know about that because i want to there could be healthy ways there could be healthy escapes yeah and can i just say the world is shifting a lot so the the world that valentine is going to grow up into is not the same mm. as those who have especially like our parents age or even older than that they they were in really dark and desensitized mm. time that had no sensitivity to this mm. at all so the the problems of the past is not the problems of the future necessarily but i just think that can that could have resulted you know, if you had been living this way for a long time. Mm. Yeah. I think that the only thing I can do for Valentine, he is who he is and it's not going to change. And I feel really excited about the more I understand about this, the more I can support and nourish a way for him to manage himself and to set himself up to thrive with this and use it as a superpower and have that empathy and intuition as his guiding force. I mean, oh my gosh, I've always known he's like been super, super sensitive, but recently it's been coming across as psychicness. Like one of the beautiful things about hypersensitive people or overly sensitive people is their their deep intuition about people and things and places. They've got that heightened awareness. Well, can I just can I just interject here that if there is the multiverse, so there is all these dimensions alongside our own. And if you're very highly sensitive, you can perceive multidimensionally. You can perceive literally out of this yeah, dimension. You're taking in more stimuli, more stimuli than you can make sense of. That totally. you can and that's the same as what a psychic does is they take information from the multiverse mm-hmm. and they're able to channel that. So of course, highly sensitive people are going to be more psychic. Mm. I like every single day. I have a psychic experience of Valentine every day. Tell, tell us why. Like, well, like two days ago, I was in the fridge. I mean, I wasn't in the fridge. <laughs> that would kind of be weird. <laughs> now we know what she does in her like spare a big time. Big fridge. <laughs> no, I was cleaning out the fridge and I saw a little takeout container and. and 
in my head, in my inner dialogue, I went, hmm, what's in the takeout container? Oh, it's mac and cheese. That's probably off by now. I should throw out that mac and cheese. Yeah. And I grabbed it and I threw it in the trash. And as I threw in the trash, Valentine walked around the corner and he looked at me and he goes, and I hadn't said a word had not escaped my lips. And he looked at me and he goes, mama, can I have some more mac and cheese? And I'm like, uh, what? And he was like, can I have some more mac and cheese? And I'm like, uh, we don't have mac and cheese. And he said, mm, oh, yeah, uh, more crackers then. Like he just, he, he picked he just, up Yeah, he heard my inner dialogue and picked up on the main focus and then it just came out and he does that every single day. I'll have a, a conversation with my, with a friend in my head who I'm about to text or whatever and then, uh, you know, I'll say a word in the text, like let's go to the beach tomorrow and he'll be in the back and he'll go, mama, can we go to the beach? I want to go to the beach like every day. And it's mm-hmm. just, I know that that is part of his brain being able to take in more stimuli mm-hmm. around him. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's incredible. So, all right, Jenna, I want to ask you a few questions because you're a highly sensitive adult and human. And I would like to know, so this is, we've established this is like a genetic thing. Who do you think you inherited this from? Well, I think actually both of my parents really? are highly sensitive. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And my mom, i um, just been having some conversations with her recently and her in her just talking about her childhood and stuff and how she was from childhood very sensitive. She's a psychologist. My father is... Do you think she became a psychologist to understand her own sensitivities and relationship to the world like that? I do. That's what she even said. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Or she, you know, well, yeah, it was a result of, of more like, you know, instances, but yes, in short... My father too. My father is... And he's a psychic, he's hard, right? Yeah. He's a full-blown psychic, full-blown energetic healer. That's what he does for a living. Um, very sensitive emotionally as well. So yeah, both my parents. So how do you think relationships go with two highly sensitive people in the one relationship? I didn't, didn't go. I mean, my parents got divorced and they will not talk to each other and mm. nor have they been in the same room since they got divorced. It's like as bad as it could be. Hmm. You know, wow. I wonder what it triggered within them being in that dynamic. I think they were just both wanted to get out of it. And like, just when you're sensitive, you can't cope with no like over emotional no stuff. Co- yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, okay. So you inherited, how about your two brothers? Cause they don't mm. seem overly sensitive, like highly sensitive people. Marcus is not. Mm. Marcus somehow didn't get it. Skip that. Yeah. But Will I think he is in a very charming way. So it's not in a sensory system way. He probably seems like emotionally like yeah. intelligent, yeah. but it doesn't seem like his no. sensory system I is think, processing things. And, you know, maybe I think my parents are maybe less sensory system overload. I'm the one who has that the most. Mm-hmm. The sensory system overload is mostly me in my immediate family. Like... I, for example, hate the beach. Like I can't go to the beach. I can't feel... The thing that bothers me the most is the feeling of the salty water uh, with sand stuck on it drying on my leg. <laughs> like if that happens, I literally have to like breathe to not freak out. Wow. Yeah. It's just the feeling on your skin. Like I, you have more receptors that are just f- like wah, wah, buzzing yes, out. Yes. Yes. And sometimes I have like sensations like last night when I was sleeping in the middle of the night and I was like, I'm so glad we're talking about this tomorrow on the podcast because I can mention this. Um, (laughs) In the middle of the night, I woke up and it was like my full like body was on sensory overload for no reason. It could have been like um, in my dream, but it was like my body, everything was itching, like every stitch of clothing felt uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I was like writhing in my bed. I couldn't get comfortable just praying to like be unconscious again. Do you think it was from an outside element? Like, do you think it was a breeze that came in mm. or a bug that jumped on you? Mm. Or do you think it's just this wave of energy? It is a wave of energy. And however, my, my, it's almost as if it feels like my nerves, my nerve cells mm. are more activatable. Mm. Do you know wow. what I mean? Wow. That's how it feels. Okay. And so you have, how does that, Growing up, how did that affect your relationships with others? And let's talk about friendships, not not romantic yet. It was I was always uh, 
had very easy time with friendships. And mm. I think that had something to do with my highly sensitive nature because I could easily see what the other needed on a deep psychological level. And I was just able to like provide that for them. So you became like, I don't want to say chameleon. That's not, not yeah, the right word. I was word, a bit but... of a chameleon. And, and how that, I mean, I went to a very small private school. So there's only like 69 people in my class. Um, but I was, I feel like friends with most of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like I was in my own little clique. It mm-hmm. was like, I really like saw each of those people and mm-hmm. I saw the best in them. Like I not only saw the best in them, but I saw like their p- true potential. Mm-hmm. And since I came at them with that, it was like, yeah, people just want to be seen. And the yeah. moment they feel understood and seen, they're open yeah. and they're, they're with you. And I genuinely liked them. Like I genuinely liked everybody, you know? Because you probably felt a deeper connection, yeah. which is what these people feel. They feel deeply yeah. connected to others. And I just had compassion for them because I could see like where they were coming from, mm. you know? Then that's another trait is mm-hmm. that deep compassion and mm-hmm. empathy, which probably allows you to be socially really intelligent. Mm-hmm know what to say, not what to say, when to move back, what's too full on, what's mm-hmm. not. Wow. Okay, great. So friendships are great. How mm-hmm. did it affect your um, wanting to be romantic with people when it came? <sighs> Obviously there would be touching and there would be, you know. <laughs> not if you're me. Um, <laughs> not really. I mean, I didn't want to have any romantic relationships. I didn't really want to be, uh, you know, touched by people that I didn't really, I would have been okay with it if it had been someone that I really, really liked, but it was like, I never really liked them. So I never really wanted them to touch me. Okay. So your sensitivity to touch like made you move away from romantic situations. Yeah. So you didn't really explore your sexuality and that romantic side. And I didn't want to, I didn't feel like I was ready for that yet. Mm -hmm. And so how did you break through that when meeting Jesse, your husband? Well, I think that in me, as in all people, there's like this deep need for connection and divine union in that way. Um, Partnership, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like a biological drive that we have. Mm -hmm. And for whatever it is with our soul contract, it would just fit me and Jesse. It's just, I can't even, I can't explain it other than to say it works. I know what happened. Your emotional sensitivity, intuition, AKA psychicness, knew and recognized and felt that Jesse was your life partner mm-hmm. and therefore you allowed yourself mm-hmm. to push past probably the sensitivities and fear around touch and all that stuff mm-hmm. because you knew that this was you're not wasting time here yeah. or putting yourself under stress for no reason like this is yeah. your life partner yeah brilliant and that actually brought me to another point which I I was interested in this book was that I said to her it's really weird like this um this huge reaction to little things like sensory things to valentine aren't consistent one day he'll a drop of water will go on his hand or his shirt and it will be meltdown and he'll be ripping the shirt off and then the next day a drop of water will go and go mama i need a rag and i said what is that like and she said that sensory people um highly sensitive people have like a bucket And during the day, they fill up the bucket with um, arousal has a different connotation to it, but but with stimuli. And so if the bucket at the end of the day is really full and Kerry walks through the door and is moving towards him for a hug, he will freak out and run away because he just cannot have one more sensory input thing to hold and to manage. And so... um, that I'm sorry, but that metaphor just really feels so right. Like I've never heard that said, but like I, that's how I react. I mean, I can like take a certain amount and then mm-hmm. I flip out. You flip know? out. Yeah, yeah. That's what she said. And I think understanding that as well as a highly sensitive person or parent with a highly sensitive child is so important because you can create a structure and, and um, environment around them that isn't constantly triggering their sensory system. Another fascinating thing they said when it came down to physicality was that because a highly sensitive person's nervous system is on alert the whole time and taking in so much, a lot of the time, if if a highly sensitive person is overstimulated all the time, their nervous system can be more susceptible to being sick all the time. But if you know how to manage that and not have them constantly being triggered and overloaded, highly sensitive people can develop a stronger immune system than the average person. I feel like I have a stronger immune system than the average person. Yeah, you probably general. understood how to protect yourself and I do, at a younger age. I do retreat as well from things before. I try to retreat before the moment of freak out, you know? Yeah. 
always. So that's why I hide in my house a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take it personally. (laughs) That's why it's so brilliant to understand this is because, you know, you can't take anything personally. And I think that as a highly sensitive person, the more you understand yourself and the more you understand how to manage yourself, the, the more beautiful the world can be and the more of a blessing this can be, the more you can channel it in a way where, you know, it's like channeling your genius. Well, and the beauty of the world to a highly sensitive person is overwhelmingly beautiful. Well, that's the other thing this book said. They said that highly sensitive people have the capacity to feel happiness mm-hmm. to a larger degree than a normal person. Oh, totally. But also at the other side of the spectrum to feel depression the pendulum. and yeah, the and overwhelm to the to a larger degree than the normal person. So it's really about, I guess, understanding yourself and how to manage it and protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say recently what I've, the practice that has been working for me is in any given moment, there are beautiful stimuli and there's overwhelming and horrible stimuli. As an adult, this is harder for a child. As an adult, making the conscious decision to focus on the beautiful stimuli, Mm. just focus on it, you know? Yeah, of course. Cause it's all about perspective. Been working on that. Yeah, and speaking about perspective, um, another point this book said was that when, and I part of my query on why is Valentine's um, over, I don't want to say overreaction, but why is his big reaction and sensitivity so wavering? And this book mentioned that um, if they know, like for instance, it's freezing outside, he knows he has to put a sweater on, but he's resisting and resisting because the sweater feels tight and it's like tight at the cuffs and it doesn't feel right. But he's like, he's pushing, pushing and then it's cold. So he's like, he actually overrides, he learns how to override his sensory system with will, with his will. And he learns how to, for instance, they, they want to please so much and they have such an internal sense of guilt and shame around things. They want to be good all the time. So if I'm forcing him to eat a vegetable, which he really doesn't like the texture of and is just adverse to, he will override that sensory experience to please me. And so there is a sense of um, mind over matter when it comes down to obviously life in general. Life but in general is mind over matter. Exactly. Like just waking up and getting out of bed and like facing the day is already mind over matter. For you. Yeah. yeah. And I know that's the way for Milo too. So, I mean, and for Valentine. And so did you recognize in Milo straight away that he had the same level of sensitivity that you did? I, I really never, I always knew he was like me in that way, but I never really put it in these terms until you, you started started looking mm. into Valentine. But um, yes, I knew that he was like me. And it explains Maisie a lot with is the not. food. It's so true with the food and also just everything. So many little tiny spe- specific things. Mm. And just having the two kids with Maisie being not at all highly sensitive. Mm. And we'll eat anything, wear eat anything. anything. Here's an example. I have them both in the bath. Milo is three years older than Maisie. And um, trying to wash his hair oh, they've or got brush a big his hair thing with water. Valentine won't bath now. Yeah. He won't bath because he doesn't want water on his face yeah. or his exactly. hair. Exactly, Milo. No, no water on his face. No water on his hair. I'm trying to brush out the like bird's nest that has happened on the back of his head. He's screaming. I'm barely touching his head. Yeah. Barely touching him. He's screaming, "Mama, it's so bad!" Yeah, yeah. And he feels Maisie. More. Okay, I pour water on her head. It like literally soap <laughs> drips into her eye. And she doesn't she react. Giggled. She doesn't react. And then I'm, I'm like, her hair is longer. I'm ripping a comb through mm. her tangles. No reaction. Yeah. You know? It's her genetic makeup. She's just literally not feeling, you know. Yeah, it feels fine for her. She's, just, she's not sensitive like that. It's like, I, I kind of imagine this is how redheads feel all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, there's a study that came out that said <laughs> redheads have a higher sensitivity than oh, most people. They have their pain receptors actually are on high alert more than the average person. Huh. I mean, I don't know if that's, you know, legitimate or not, but that's what I heard. Well, I also, I heard that, that redheads are necessarily descended from Vikings. And that Vi- aren't necessarily. They are. Oh yeah, they one hundred percent are. And yes. if and Vikings has a very high percentage of red hair. Yeah. Like. Uh, in oh the- yeah. I feel so connected to, to the Viking. Oh land. yeah, you're a Viking. Oh yeah. Style. <laughs> Watch out. 
Um, okay, so what do you do, Jenna, to soothe your sensitivity so you can cope with the world and every day and socializing and just being a normal person? I mean, I'm not. I don't know. Help me. Help me, Amber. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm not normal. It's true. You're not that normal. But surely there are coping mechanisms well, that you have come to find work for you. For me, it's all about honoring my self mm. and I'm not going to not trying to fit not into going the mold. to Jelena just because it's the best even sorry though we did end up going there I drag but you into is, extremely is, triggering is, situations no, no it's good it's good I called it in this is an example though okay like I wouldn't go to like the coolest restaurant because there was a huge crowd there like I would not go to that restaurant I wouldn't I would just wouldn't go mm. you know and I I would instead like get a salad to go and then eat it in my house, you mm-hmm. know, and then stuff like that. And, and, and just not doing it and not feeling bad about it. Mm-hmm. Just going towards what resonates mm-hmm. and then just not caring. Great. That's good. That's my coping mechanism. <laughs> and light dimmers. <laughs> Make sure you got yeah. those dimmers on and keep the light real Light low. dimmers, salt lamps. I really like the light of salt lamps. Yeah. And what about some other soothing elements? Like I know that you try to stay away from stimulants because you don't want to overstimulate yeah. your system voluntarily. Yeah. So you try to stay away from coffee and too yep. much chocolate and sleep is important. Not that you get much of that, but yeah. in an ideal world, you would sleep more. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and what about soothing elements? I know you wear a lot of chamomile, um, chamomile essential oil, oil in and your hair and on your clothes. No perfume, like anything that is overstimulating to the senses. Yeah. I just, and I try to stay away from like synthetic. Well, what do you do to stay? Cause I know that you are so sensitive that nature triggers you. You're, you feel uncomfortable because you can probably hear the rustling of the leaves and feel it's, the ocean on you and yeah. it freaks you out. It, so it, it's really, it's really bad. Actually, yeah. So that. if nature isn't something you turn to for soothing, what do you turn to? Um, in my inner world. Yeah. That's what I have. So meditation. Yeah. Because I know within myself that I can be okay mm. just by connecting with spirit and that's where I've completely turned to. So how do you cope when it comes down to it's a family vacation on the beach, you know, and we're all there for a week? Like, does that trigger anxiety I for mean, you? I mean, very, very much. Like, I don't think that would ever happen. I don't think that's ever happened. I know you went to Bali recently for a wedding and you said that you were just freaked out the whole time. Yeah, it was, it was, it was difficult. I mean, I'm happy I saw Bali, but it was not easy. Mm. It was not easy. The temperature, the, just everything. Mm-hmm. So is there a daily ritual you did that kept you kind of in a, in a good space during that time that other people could maybe explore? I mean, besides meditation and essential oils, I think the best is just focusing on the positive. It's mm-hmm. like if you're a highly sensitive person in any moment, there's going to be an overwhelming number of things that are there to make you feel bad or overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this is with traveling in general, because I love travel. I love traveling so much. I love seeing new cultures, new places mm-hmm. and temples of like architecture. Mm-hmm. I love that so much that I let that override my discomfort. See, there we go. It's, it's the power of the mind. So perhaps if highly sensitive people had their own little individualized toolkit that they could call out when they were feeling overwhelmed with their sensory systems, such as choosing a thought like, I'm so grateful for this culture and this experience, mm-hmm. or how good does the sun feel yeah, on my body? one or, thing that's beautiful that you can focus your energy on. That probably distracts you from your sensory system, right? Another thing is like investing in what you need to feel comfortable. And here's an example of what I mean. So like I... Don't go to nature, as we discussed, because I feel like the the leaves scratch me. It's a bad temperature. Like there's bugs on me and like those things make me feel uncomfortable. Now, what I've been talking to Jesse about is like, maybe I need to go to REI and invest the like hundreds of dollars that I've not been wanting to spend on a very lightweight suit that can cover all of my skin and yet it's cool and it keeps me the right temperature in all situations. And maybe I just need to invest in that technology to make me comfortable. Or if I'm very sensitive to light, maybe I need to invest in a good pair of sunglasses, Mm -hmm. not the cheap $19 pair that I always get because I'm prone to sit on it, but maybe I need to like (laughs) really like get a good Mm -hmm. pair of sunglasses and protect my eyes, you know, Mm -hmm. just giving, giving yourself the freedom to 
get yourself what you need to make it a more comfortable situation. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's invaluable. Yeah. And I tend to withhold from myself, you know, I tend to withhold things from myself. Like I'm very giving to everyone else, but mm-hmm. I don't usually, I'm withholding from myself. So working hmm. on that. Yeah. That's a good one to work on. We've started your self-care routine. That's I know. Good. I'm trying to shift it all. Okay. I've got a really exciting question, which I know you're going to love. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we all know that you have a very multidimensional take on things. What is your multidimensional take on a highly sensitive person? Well, I think a highly sensitive person is able to perceive multidimensionally. Most people's perception um, it, and sensory perception is limited to their five senses, really. Mm-hmm. And that's what we consider to be reality. And the, the programming of what they are taught to believe is reality and all that exists, mm-hmm. right? But I think that people who are highly sensitive are able to perceive outside of that. And so there's really not a place for them in a way because they're, they're, they're already like existing outside of reality. Okay, so what would you say then about the philosophy or concept of indigo children, Pleiadians, starseeds, these people who um, are so called from a different um, from a different, uh, I don't know, alien race or w- whatever. You, you'd okay, be yeah, more me, eloquent about let it. Let me break so it let's, down. Let's so talk to she that. asked about starseeds and indigo children. So those would be... Don't forget Pleiadians. Well, Pleiadians are starseeds. Oh, okay. And let me tell you why. Because a starseed is a general... Um, word for somebody who had lived a past life or many past on another lives planet. on another planet in another alien civilization, mm-hmm. such as the Pleiades and the Pleiadians are one alien civilization that we are Which quite I'm familiar with. I'm certain Valentine is a Pleiadian. I'm certain as well. Not because currently, but you know, that was probably where he came not from. Not currently. <laughs> that would be a bit weird. <laughs> Little Martian walking around. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm certain too, you know, and the first time I ever met you and, and, and uh, Valentine ever, before I even had a conversation with you ever, both of you, I, it was like my psychic intuition was like, Pleiadian, 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 <laughs> like seriously, so strong. And I also see blue sparks all the time when I look at Valentine, all the time. I'm like, what is that blue sparky light fluorescent blue? And that's the, the, the Pleiadians are a constellation in the cosmos, which you can see if you get out the, the, the telescope. But aren't I think they it's said, in the Swan constellation, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Well, and aren't they said to have a high, I mean, they're kind of glowing. They kind of pop out from the other stars around them. And isn't the, the saying that they are vibrating at a higher well, consciousness yeah. or frequency? Well, the Pleiadian, what I know, I mean, that's a whole uh, another that podcast is. episode. <laughs> but, um, I mean, what I know about them is they are humanoid. Um, they look like humans. They have most of the time blue eyes in the Pleiades. Um, very highly sensitive, artistic, um, funny, very highly evolved. Um, th- in their world, they live as we are moving into a world of um, what could be a utopian age on Earth. They live in that age on their planet. So, I heard that what happens on Earth affects the Pleiades and vice versa. So they're really invested in our evolution on they Earth. They are invested. And therefore, they're kind of like coming down and incarnating as humans more so than ever right now because we're at that point of destruction. Well, and I've really. heard that they're also like our future in a way. Like yeah. They're vice connected versa. to us. and. They want this. They definitely want this ascension to happen. And they, they've sent plenty of little soldiers here. Okay, great. So this um, is... Okay, so but we digress, right? Yes. So that's an st- example of a star, star seed. seed. Got it. And then there's the indigo, which would be like um, what we would call people who have had a lot of past lives on Earth. Now, having a lot of past lives... And this is what we're talking about, the soul level versus the genetic level, right? Because there's your genes, but there's also your soul. Mm-hmm. Maybe your soul has like... Um, lived in Pleiades or your soul has lived a lot of past lives on earth. And this, I believe, can really affect your sensitivity mm-hmm. sensitivity level and in different ways. Like I would say between Valentine and Milo, Valentine is so starseed, lived in the Pleiades, starseed, right? But Milo is very um, indigo. Like he's lived on earth a lot of lives and maybe a lot of traumatizing lives on earth because mm-hmm. you can't live on this earth without being traumatized. Sadly. Yeah, that's true. So they're different. Their personalities are different. And even though they're both highly sensitive, um, Milo might, Valentine's sensitivities might be different because he's not used to the earth conditions, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Whereas Milo is very used to the earth conditions. So he might be like, he it will come across different. So he can cope with it a little bit more. Yeah. So do you think that highly sensitive people are all 
star seeds or indigo children? Uh, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. <gasps> That's so exciting. I think it's very highly likely. Oh, I'm just a normal human? You're not a normal oh, human. I want to be a star seed. No, but it's like if you, I would say that it's like, if you're highly sensitive, you, the, your chances of having a more rich, I don't want to say more rich because it's not, it's not a, a judgment or a competition, but just a more complex yeah. soul history is likely. Yes. But if you're not highly sensitive, like Amber, that doesn't mean that you haven't lived in the Pleiades or that you haven't been an indigo, but it just, it, it's it's not like that. It doesn't go that way, you mm. know, but it goes the other way. Great. <gasps> Fascinating. Love it. Okay. So, hmm. I think we've covered a lot. Do you have any more do you have any more nuggets of wisdom being a highly sensitive person operating in this world and following your passion and um you know being a functional mother of two? Do you have any other words of wisdom for people who may be struggling with their sensitivity? I mean we we have covered a lot. I mean the thing that's really coming to me is to um just empower people to really get clear about their mission, their internal connection to spirit, and to focus on that and to, 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 to almost... And not see highly high sensitivity as an abnormality, no. as you being on the outskirts of society and everyone else can cope with life and you can't and what's wrong with you, yeah. whatever. See it as a blessing and see it as this incredible... Um, just this incredible superpower superpower you have that when you know how to use it you can excel more than the average person could yes and to just to piggyback on that we're i believe we're moving into um an era of like the age of Aquarius where we're moving more towards our heart. We're moving more towards transparency. And those of us who are highly sensitive and those of us with, with complex soul histories, like we will be the leaders in a way of the new world. I hope so. So just have faith that the world is going to catch up. You're ahead of your time. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So let's throw a invitation or challenge at our listeners. What have you got for us? Yeah. Um, Okay. So what I got for you, is are you or someone you know highly sensitive? Give this person the respect and compassion they need and deserve, but probably don't get in their life. And if you fall in this category, give yourself the amount of compassion and understanding that you would give to another. Beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that covers it for today. Thank you so much for being with us. And I really hope you got something out of today's topic and good luck with it all we love good luck you out there. you're <laughs> gonna need protected it. stay intuitive and stay just moving towards the light you you got this so we'll we'll feel you with us next time ttfn bye visit our website themotherlovingfuture.com for more information and please leave us a five-star review on itunes if you like what you hear we read every single review and comment and we are so grateful for your support See you next week.